Greetings and welcome to our Pulse and Foursquare podcast. My name is Pastor Greg Perkins, and I greatly appreciate you have joined us today. Throughout this year of 2022, God has led me to emphasize unity among the Church of Jesus Christ. As written in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3, the Apostle Paul wrote to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, especially in these last days in which we live, I believe God is calling His church and His bride to come together as one in Christ. And in doing so, it really displays the beauty of what we are all to be and how His church and His kingdom will grow and reach our world today. So as we go through the Word together, I pray the Holy Spirit will speak to you through these messages and give you wisdom and revelation as to how we are called to be His unified church and then sent out to be witnesses of His Word, His love, and His presence. I pray that you will be blessed by our podcast and that you will be edified and enriched in God's Word today. So may God bless you all. Two. good to have fellowship and we'll have more fellowship afterwards we still we have an abundance of donuts today so if if we have donuts for Pollock we'll have donuts we'll all get sugared up so we welcome you to stay and hang out Um, I've kind of I want to mention first of all that um, again we have our missionary to Switzerland here, Ben, if you weren't here last Sunday, he, he's here for a little bit longer. It was his birthday this week as well. He turned big 23, um, but he's uh, going back soon to Switzerland, and so we, we thank him for that. Billy in the sound booth has uh, also gone back to YWAM, which uh, started on Monday with this what's called Titus Project. Um, as you know, most YWAMers live by faith, you know, as missionaries and relying on God. And if you see in the bulletin that uh, Billy, uh, it was this last Friday, but they extended it another week. Uh, he said that he's going to be going to, we need to say Asia, uh, Asia with their, um, with their group to minister and uh, use what he learned last year in School of Biblical Studies so they're going to be going to a country in Asia. You can see them personally and find out what that all means. Um, but also, it's a smaller team, and they still need to raise funds for that uh, $2,900 by this Friday. So it's, it's pretty radical when you're a missionary and you're going in faith. And, you know, God always supplies. He's always supplied for my own kids that have gone missionary work and other people in the church and it's amazing that even as a small church that we have people that are obedient to go throughout the world. Um, and so we're also looking to send a team this year from our church, a short-term team, uh, back down to Costa Rica this winter. So if you want to get involved with that, um, come see me and, and we'll try to hook that up. Because we had uh, the Hubbards here uh, uh, this spring that we're talking about their ministry as well. So that's one thing, and also the prayer card. Remember to keep that throughout this month of just what is awesome, uh, what is so awesome, what God has brought us together on Wednesday nights among local churches 
uh, for gatherings of worship. We feel like God is doing something even further this year. Uh, and this is the first time ever in my 20 plus years I've been here that we're going to gather together on a Sunday, together with those churches that are participating at least. Uh, on the 30th of October, it'll be at the SKC gym at 1030, and we're going to have a gathering of, you may say, the, the reservation churches um, on that Sunday. So it's going to culminate, it's a couple days before the end of the 40-day 40 40 period, but it will be a gathering on that fifth Sunday there together. It's going to be awesome, and I'm looking forward to that, as God has been doing some awesome things. If you haven't made it to a Wednesday night, this week we'll be at the Spirit of God Church in Ronan with Pastor Dean Buffalo. Um, this is the first time he's ever hosted, so we encourage you to come to that. Now, I'm coming to a close of the letter to Paul, uh, Paul's to the Corinthian church, and today we're going to cover chapter 14. I spent a lengthy time on just the love chapter of chapter 13, and we took a little hiatus uh, for a couple weeks. But getting back to this, this chapter of chapter 14, and I want to say that uh, Mike Freeman, um, he's on call today as a pharmacist for the hospital, but he spoke on chapter 14 uh, about a month ago and did a great job. And since it's been about a month, some of you are not here, I kind of want to recap a lot of that. Uh, it's also just finishing up this chapter. Um, it is something I actually enjoy speaking about. I love talking about the Holy Spirit. Um, and I desire, I pray for all believers to have an encounter with the living God, with the Holy Spirit. And it's important for us as believers to be Spirit-led. I would say just because we're a believer doesn't mean we're always led of the Spirit of God. It doesn't mean we're always living Spirit-filled lives. And so there may be some pastors that would rather just gloss over this chapter because it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it talks about speaking in tongues, and we have a myriad of other people and their viewpoints on this, and so it's easy to do, but I, I do love it, talking about it. It's important for us to understand that Acts... Chapter 1, when Jesus, before his ascension, stopped and told his disciples, he said, wait in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon you so that you may be my witnesses, so that you may receive power from on high, so that then you may be my witnesses in Judea, Jerusalem, um, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so they did. They waited in prayer, 120 of them in the upper room, and that's when you read Acts chapter 2 on the festival or the day of Pentecost. It says, the Holy Spirit came upon them like a rushing wind and, and separated them. And there was fire, it seemed, that appeared upon them. And then they began to speak in other tongues or other languages as God gave them utterance. And they were singing. They were glorifying God. And people heard them and thought they were drunk uh, because of this but they also heard them speaking in their language. They heard that they were glorifying God. And it was from that moment that the church was birthed as an experience or an empowerment of the people of God. So it's important for that we understand that. And most churches know that. They believe that. That was an event that actually occurred. 
on that day of Pentecost, there was the Holy Spirit that came. A lot of churches acknowledge that, that they began to speak in other tongues or other languages. But it, throughout church history, this has been interpreted differently by a lot of different Christians. And so the baptism of the Holy Spirit and with the speaking of tongues is probably known as the most interesting, but also the most uh, controversial subjects I think I could ever speak about. <laughs> I can't tell you how many theological discussions, how many different debates I've had over this issue regarding the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the speaking of other tongues. And there are only a few subjects in the Bible uh, that get more attention and have different opinions than the Holy Spirit and the speaking of other tongues. Uh, it's probably been interpreted and taught so many different ways in the churches, and that is because, and that is why. Primarily, there are so many different denominations in our world over the Holy Spirit and their interpretation of it because of the different expressions of it. And I'm not saying one way is the right way. I'm just saying this is an interpretation that even Pentecostal churches like Foursquare that um, have taught on this well, and I've also seen representations that haven't taught on it well and scare people off. Uh, sadly, it's turned people off to the Holy Spirit or what you may say is the spiritual gift of the Spirit and one being the gift of tongues. This is why I want to do the best I can to interpret uh, and explain what I believe Paul was telling about this gift and recognizing it as a spiritual gift is just that. I want to assure you it's that. And if it's a gift you can receive or not, and we don't judge those who have it and those who do not. If anyone is confused about this gift, it was this church in Corinth. They did not understand this gift. They were using it rather improperly. They loved having this experience, but they were using it without the most important thing. And what was that? Love. They were using it without love, and so they were out of control in how they were administering or experiencing this gift, and Paul was then trying to explain this to them, that they were out of control, they were rather self-centered, and they, were, they lacked concern for other people. And so I just want to read through this chapter together. Let's read uh, the first portion of this, and it's... It's lengthy, but we want to go through it and understand what he's saying. I have the, the Pew Bible or the Seat Bible, if you want to follow along in the ESV version. It says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want, to, want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so the church may be built up. Now brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless... Uh, I bring some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching. 
If even the lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give a distinct note, how, can, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indis, uh, indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if, you're, if with your tongue you can utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But I, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker foreign to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my mind. Also, I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone uh, in, in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be given thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. In the law it is written, by the people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me. That's actually taken from Isaiah. Thus tongues are then a sign for believers, not a sign for believers, but unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together, all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, they will not say that you are out of your mind, or will they not say you are out of your minds. But if all prophecy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convict, convicted by all, he is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Let's just take a moment and I'll stop there for now. Father God, we ask that you would bring understanding to our spirit what Paul was writing then and what you want us to hear now about this, about your empowerment of your spirit and how that may be displayed in our own lives, Father. Father God, that you would show us and bring us to a greater revelation and encounter with your Holy Spirit, even today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, what Paul was saying in there, he's talking about praying with our mind, but also praying in our spirit. Praying with understanding in the language that we know. Most of us, the first language is English. And so, of them, it was probably Greek. That was their first language, that they understood from the Greek language. Um, that was their understanding. But also, he's talking about this rather confusing gift of speaking in the Spirit or in other tongues or other languages. Um, and so, reading back, going back a chapter, chapter 13, the love chapter, we like to call it. He said in verse 1, If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, 
I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Uh, and that's what they were doing. They were just a bunch of noise uh, because they were inconsiderate of other people. And so people were coming into these gatherings and, and they were speaking in other tongues, uh, but it was not with effectiveness. It was not being done in, in an orderly manner in the church. So however, as we take a look at this, I want to assure you that there is a God-given purpose for the gift of tongues as mentioned here in Scripture, but also a prophecy that it can still be used today. Now again, that might be not your upbringing. That might be your ba- not your background. I understand that. I respect that. I grew up in, I was raised uh, early on in a Baptist church, a more conservative background that came into uh, at Foursquare Church when I was a teenager, it was news to me. It was new. I did not know what that was. And so that might be you today. That might be like, oh, wow, I don't understand this. It's weird. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird. Let me, all right? People are weird. Not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit may have you do things that are out of your norm. Has the Holy Spirit ever called you to do something that you were not ready for? Or, or I'm not comfortable with that, Lord. Uh, that God doesn't necessarily always care about your, how do I say this correctly? God does not always care so much about our comforts, whether we like it or not. God does things differently than I do things, right? He does things differently than you would maybe do things. And there might be promptings that he may call you to go speak to someone, to go and do something radical for the Lord. And it may come with signs and wonders. Not not because that's what we seek, but we seek the Lord and we seek the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and things do happen when we do that. Uh, And I love that. Now, some of you may say that... that, um, That's your perspective. That's your perspective of what the Holy Spirit does today. And that is true. I do have a perspective. You have a perspective. I have a perspective now from a Pentecostal viewpoint. And that's how I'm interpreting this. That's how I'm teaching on this this very thing today. The biblical view view I hold is that the gift of tongue serves as a tool the Holy Spirit gives to the believer um, to assist in their prayer life in communication with God. That is its main purpose. Chapter 14 also tells us it is for the edification, it is for the exhortation of the believer. Uh, how does it do that? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how it actually does it. It says it does. It edifies the believer. It encourages us. Um, and so, but it does enhance our relationship with God, how to go beyond just what we know within logic and what we think with our mind, but rather learning to walk in the Spirit. And a lot of the people go, I don't know what that means, walking in the Spirit. And I'm trying again to help us understand that. Bible scholars differ on whether all believers have this gift of tongues or not. Uh, We just read that Paul wished that they all did as he did, but they didn't. So is there a distinction or a difference between the gift of tongues and the tongues with interpretation? Uh, As in um, tongues, 
in the sense of a personal tongue with uh, a, what people call a prayer language uh, or the gift of tongues being in a corporate setting, meaning that it must be accompanied by interpretation. Well, I want to take a little further look into this. Uh, elsewhere in this scripture, in this chapter, we find that in other um, writings of Paul, he said this in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. He said, where he exhorted the church to pray in the Spirit as, it, as with understanding. Thus referring to what I would say, he's referring to praying in the Spirit as in the gift of tongues, but also praying with understanding with our minds, our, our natural language. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So he's talking a little bit about this, that praying in the Spirit. But also Jude mentions in verse 20, Dear friends, build yourself up in the most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Nowhere are they mentioning just a select few pray in the Spirit who have this gift. He's actually encouraging in, in that sense of everyone in the, in the church. Hopefully everyone would be understanding or praying in the Spirit. And coming to that revelation or that understanding of what that means. Some confusion comes from the ending of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a couple chapters previous, where Paul asked the questions, do all speak in tongues or interpret? And the obvious answer is no. No, they do not. Do all Christians live a spirit-filled life or operate in the, the, all the manifestations or the gifts of the Spirit that God has allowed for them to have? Do you? No, probably not. Um, as well as, you know, I don't always operate or step out in faith in what I feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit leading me to do. And sometimes it's unbelief. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes, like I said, it's, I'm not, I'm not ready for that, Lord. <laughs> I'm not ready to do that or, or go and, you know, if I respond to the call of God, I might be sent to eastern darkest Africa, you know, and I'm not ready to do that, God. I like staying right here in Pulsa, Montana. Um, and so there's sometimes just a resistance that we have to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Is, is anyone else relating with that today? I, I think, I think, yeah. Uh, but from reading this chapter in verses uh, 4 and 5, it says some theologians have concluded that Paul was defining two different distinctions of tongues. One requiring interpretation in corporate gatherings and one exclusively for what we call that personal prayer language. Um, thus, with a personal tongue, we don't understand with our mind and it does not need to be interpreted. It says you do not you utter mysteries when you are praying, other things that God instructs you or gives you the unction to speak out, that you're not going to understand that. And so in verse 2 it says, Anyone who speaks in a tongue who does not, does not speak to men but to God, indeed no one understands him, he utters mysteries in his spirit. So I want to talk about what is the purpose? What is the purpose of this tongue or gift of tongues? Tongues, number one, 
as defined here, it says, is, gift, is a gift to uh, the believer to assist in their prayer life. Uh, so is it meant for all believers? That is for the personal believer to decide what they want to believe. I'll just lay it out there. It's for you to decide. Um, as for my stance, I believe God will give it to all believers who want it. Um, from a biblical evidence, on most accounts, as in the, the book of Acts, as you're going to read through Acts and you're going to see not only the day of Pentecost, but in other instances of where the Holy Spirit came upon them, they said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed when Philip was talking to the, the group in Samaria? And they said, no, we don't know what that is. Tell us. And so as he laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they did also begin to speak in other tongues. There's other accounts of the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the ability and the expression of other tongues or other languages beginning to just pray that out. Tongues is an evidence. Um, now, old school Pentecostals especially, being, you know, whatever denomination, Assemblies of God, Foursquare, other churches, uh, may say the old school thought or teaching was that um, tongues must be accompanied when you, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I believe there is an evidence of this gift upon those who ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But it's also an interpretation whether it's the initial evidence or an evidence of the Holy Spirit. And I would also say the moment someone asks, because I've had many times over the years, and this is probably what trips people up more than anything, is that I've asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit by faith, but I haven't yet began to pray in tongues. And I said, if you prayed and you've asked for the baptism of the Spirit, I can assure you that the moment you ask, you have received by faith. You have. You've asked for it. You've asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have received. Now, there's also different trains of thought or teachings that the moment we accept Jesus as our Savior, you're immediately baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, from not a Pentecostal viewpoint, but rather from a more maybe conservative background that some of you have been in or currently in, that is what is taught in your various um, the theologies. I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit is secondary to the, the salvation experience as what we see in Scripture. I'm just interpreting that. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you've believed? That is one evidence from the book of Acts. And they said, no, we don't know what that is. So meaning that it could be a, a secondary thing. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you have received all the fullness of the Holy Spirit in that sense of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. But have yet to have it released in your life through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or as John the Baptist says, Jesus comes to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And so there is a, what I would interpret as being a secondary experience of that. I would say not all Christians live or walk in the Spirit or experience the things accompanied with that. So that is for the person to decide because I believe one of the greatest things that it is a gift 
It is a gift from God, and we, what do we do with gifts? Have you ever not received a gift from someone? I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to receive that. Uh, for whatever reason, we may not receive a gift. So it is not, uh, and some people go off so far on this, saying that, you know, are you teaching that you can't be saved unless you have the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or speak in tongues? And I'm like, no, I'm not saying that at all. Don't, don't ever hear me or don't ever misinterpret what I would say. I'm not saying that. Uh, that... People, and I've had different friends over the years, and I have friends in all kinds of different denominations and pastor friends, and we may differ on some of these, what I call, uh, secondary things. Not for salvation, but this is a spiritual gift that you can receive or not. And I would say that we agree to disagree on the interpretation of this. You know, they say, you know, all, all things stopped after all the apostles died. All miracles, all gifts of the Spirit and such. And I'll get to that here in a minute. But, uh, you know, people that want to step out in more. It says, eagerly desire the greater gifts that Paul was talking about. And if you desire to know the Lord and, and have the Holy Spirit empower you to do more things, supernatural things that you would not normally know, it's really just asking, God, I want to know you more. I want to grow deeper in my relationship. I want to, under, I want to be empowered just like I read in Acts. Mark 16 is another one. Uh, greater things shall you do than these. That's John, that's John uh, 12. But also, he said, in, in, these signs will accompany those who believe. You will cast out demons that you will speak in other tongues, that you will raise the dead. That's pretty radical, if you ask me. That's pretty radical. And I'm like, okay. And I work in EMS. I work in uh, first responder. And, you know, when someone dies, I'm praying. I'm praying, God, bring them back. If this is not meant to be their time, Lord, bring them back. And I've seen God start a heart before. You know, that's pretty, God, you can do this. You can do it. Because I believe you are still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, so what does it mean to begin to step out, to be led by faith in the Holy Spirit and, and these gifts such as tongues? Then in the most simplistic of ways of explaining it to you, you just begin to open up your mouth. <laughs> That's what it is. Praying, God, I ask for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I begin, ask you to begin to um, open up my mouth, begin speaking or praying out as the Holy Spirit gives you that utterance. The problem facing the church in Corinth, I might add, some Pentecostal churches in our world today are really big into the vocal gifts, but they lack in the most important things. Like Paul spoke about and pointed out, they lacked love, and the other was they lacked control. It wasn't that the Holy Spirit was to blame for the confusion or the weirdness. Rather, it was probably too much flesh involved or selfishness getting in the way and not being considerate of other people. I've been in settings, too, where I'm like, 
ah, <laughs> it's like, I feel out of place. I feel like, uh, okay, you know. And I'm not saying that, again, the Holy Spirit is so much concerned about my comfortability. But at the same time, there's times where I feel that people get in the way of not making anyone feel uncomfortable or feel comfortable. And so it's a turnoff more than it is encouraging others to, to join in with what God wants you to do. So to, to this day, that is why so many are turned off to the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as tongues. Paul knew that the value of tongues in his own life, he said, I wish that you all have this expression, this gift in your life operating. And he knew that when, when his own natural words fell short in prayer, in his normal language, Greek, that he could pray, he could praise, he could intercede in tongues and wanted all believers to have this blessing. It's not just excluded for me because I'm an apostle, but rather I would wish that all of you would have this. However, in the context of these corporate gatherings, he said, I would not rather that you all pray in tongues in the gathering because it won't make sense to anybody. That's more for your private times with God, but rather when you're praying in a tongue, if you've ever been to a service where someone spoke out in a tongue, you know, such as in our gatherings, I would encourage and I would pray, God, pray that you get the interpretation that may be given so that he may be glorified. God may be glorified in hearing in our natural language what may have been said in tongues. And so why? Because he who prays in a tongue edifies himself, it says, but while he who prophesies edifies the church and everyone in it. So Paul's focus in this chapter was to emphasize that when the church comes together, they should edify and build one another up. Um, rather than just praying in tongues and making a bunch of noise, which is what they could do during their own private prayer times. But I'm sure that if Paul were asked which is greater for one's personal or devotional life, he would say, yes, pray in tongues. No, without a doubt, tongues is better. So number two is tongue is to edify and to exhort the believer. That is what the primary purpose. Praying in tongues was a way to bring edification, to build one another up in their faith. And, and again, if I'm to say how, and I'm going to say it, I don't know. It just does. The Holy Spirit is to edify us. It's like you may say a coach giving uh, his team a speech in the locker room, exhorting his team to go out and do what they've been trained to do. Go out and do it. You know, that pep talk. Uh, exhorting them, encouraging them. Likewise, a tongue given in a service and interpreted can be a prophetic encouragement, a faith builder for the church body. It is purpose is to build up not to tear down when someone may get up and just start speaking out and condemning people and I've been to that I've actually I've seen where that been expressing condemning people and you stop doing this and start doing all this stuff and I'm not saying there's no place for that but that's not what this is about it's not for that but rather if it's coming across condemning it's probably not from the Lord and I've had, to, I've had to say, you know what, I don't believe that. You know, I've, I remember years ago, someone uh, came up and gave a, a, started speaking out in tongues in a service. And I just knew in my spirit that wasn't necessarily for the body. 
Uh, it, it certainly wasn't. And I just said, you know what, I, I just have to pause for a minute and just say, you know, I don't feel, feel like that needs an interpretation because I don't feel like that's what God is giving us as a word for the Lord, but that might be more for that individual. But because they, began, they did that without, um, I guess, lack of better words, permission or, you know, with, and they, we didn't even know that who that person was at that, during that service, that um, I said, you know, let's, let's just continue in worship. And, and I didn't say just ignore that, you know, <laughs> but it was, it was awkward. It was a very awkward moment. And uh, um, the pastor at the time got up and said, well, maybe we should louse. And I'm like, oh, no. So <laughs> it created, a, it created a more of a problem than it was. And then we clearly knew that it wasn't from God. Um, but that's very rare. It's very rare, period, that you're going to have an experience like that. Uh, praying in tongues is meant to be edification for a personal, personal prayer life. Likewise, the tongue given in a service really can be a faith builder, an encouragement for us as a church. Go, wow. And the very first time, I'll say, you know, the very first time I, I grew up in a, in a much more conservative background, I remember... Um, I remember going to this one service one of the first times and, and I heard an expression of tongues and with interpretation, I was just like, whoa, wow. I mean, it wasn't just the other tongues, that being, but the word that was interpreted was so powerful and riveting for me. I'm like, it made a believer out of me. It, it made, I was just like, wow, God. It was just such a powerful word of saying things that would be known to me or to others that no one else would have known without God speaking through that person. It's just like, and that's what the prophetic word is meant to be. It's like to open us up and to, to build up our faith, but also go, God, you are real. You are real. And he can do that in a variety of different ways. Um, so from verse 2, we read that someone who speaks in a tongue, prays in a tongue, no one can understand that uh, the only exception is when that tongue is, is given in that way, an interpretation, needing an interpretation. Uh, but some have come to believe that tongues are just merely gibberish, or even worse, some people would go out and say that it's of the devil. Uh, other Christians don't deny that tongues exist in the Bible, but believe it was only for what is called a dispensation of time. Um, it's called a dispensationalist theology. And that may be where you've been raised, and that's how you interpret this, a dispensationalist theology. That, you know, the, we don't deny that they existed in the Bible in the book of Acts and such, in 1 Corinthians and stuff, what we just read. But after the last apostle died, so ceased all those gifts. Um, and they take it from the interpretation of the previous chapter, in chapter 13, where he talks about, dispensationalists will say, that where it describes, once the perfect has come, all these things will be done away with, meaning prophecy and tongues. And so that's how they base a lot of that theology is upon that. Their interpretation of the perfect is what? Their interpretation of the perfect is when finally the Bible was canonized or put together. That is the description of their interpretation of the perfect. 
The perfect means we have the Bible, we don't need anything else. And so that's the perfect, we have the Bible. God has ceased to speak other than what is written here. And I would say the perfect is not my interpretation of that. I believe the Bible to be perfect, yes. I believe the Bible to be infallible. I believe it is holy. I believe the Bible is our main purpose and our main script that we need to live and, and know. Absolutely. I don't deny that whatsoever. But does God still speak to our hearts? Does God still move? Does he still do healings? Does he still do miracles? Does he still equip us with the gifts of the Spirit? Yes, absolutely I would say that. I don't believe that has ceased since they canonized the Bible. And I could go into great detail about different experiences throughout church history, how there were different experiences of the Holy Spirit um, throughout history, different revivals, if you will. Uh, how that's still clearly evident that that happened in our history and even today, how God is still moving in a powerful, supernatural way. I believe that, and I believe the perfect is when all things are said and done. Jesus returns. We don't need anything else. We don't need anything more. That is my interpretation of what the perfect is. So again, I have people and I've had friends that are dispensationalists and say, Greg, I will never speak in tongues. And I, I will never do that. And I'm like, you're right, you won't. You're right, because you don't want it. If you don't want it, you don't have to have it. You know, shit about a Hyundai, you know. And I'm like, if you don't like Hyundais, it's okay. You don't have to buy a Hyundai. That's a joke, by the way. Should have bought a Hyundai, okay. <laughs> but the idea is that if you don't want a gift, you don't have to have it. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, not essential to our salvation. And so, in my interpretation of that perfect, that's what he means. Speaking or praying in a tongue is a language that God understands, the Holy Spirit understands. Paul said that though I speak in tongues of men and of angels, tongues described in a dialect, it's considered a dialect or a angelic language, a heavenly language given by the Holy Spirit just between you and him. Even the devil cannot understand it. He can't. He hates it. Does not want us to do it. Speaking in tongues is extremely difficult on the human intellect. In fact, our intellects rebel against speaking words that don't make any sense. This is why so many people sincerely do not see any reason or purpose for the gift of tongues. Why would I speak and pray in a tongue or language I do not understand? It can seem like an insult to my intellect and makes sense why a person would feel that way. I understand that. However, if God has given this gift, why did he instruct Paul to talk about this? Why is it important? Our intellect can our intellect ever interfere with faith? Our logical mind, can it ever interfere with living a life of faith? Yes. The answer is yes. Does God always operate the way that we operate? Read Isaiah 55. His ways are higher than my ways. And I cannot understand why God does things the way he does stuff. It, he, why doesn't he consult with me about that first? Uh, <laughs> 
I believe it can. Uh, intellect or logical thinking cannot always understand the things of the Spirit of God. And God and his ways do not make sense to my natural thinking, which can result in unbelief. Or I have to see it to believe it. There are also many times I have intellectual limitations or mind blocks in how I pray for someone in the natural. Basically, I run out of words or ideas to pray for someone. I want to pray for them, but I'm like, Lord, bless them, bless them, bless them. God, help them. And that's okay. If that's all you can pray, go ahead, do that. God will honor that prayer. God never wastes a prayer. Uh, but there are other times I just want to pray more. I don't know how, but I still want to pray the best I can and that God's will would be done. But Paul said in, in chapter 14, verse 24, he said, For I, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind or my understanding is unfruitful. My intellect cannot decipher this. I can't get past just my head. And sometimes that's where we stop. That's where, you know, the prayer is meant and the prayer is good, but it's just like this is where it stops. And this is where, so the Holy Spirit is leading you how to pray or praying through you in these different words. Then you can have the confidence that when you are praying, you're always going to be praying according to the will of God when we are praying in the Spirit. I can assure you of that. It's not just, God, give me, give me, give me, or I want, I want, I want. It's, I'm praying the will of God whenever I'm praying in the Spirit. Even while you still do not understand the things that you're speaking. At the same time, being aided by the Holy Spirit in prayer or worship can be very encouraging. It could be a peaceful or a restful experience going, God, thank you that when I'm praying, uh, I'm praying your perfect will into whatever situation I'm praying for. For myself, I, I pr often pray in tongues, and God will, in, in, in my prayer times, I'm just praying, and, and, and sometimes even in, in doing that, that I, I feel like God just gives me a prompting of what I can pray in English, reminding me of something in the natural to pray for. Or sometimes I feel like God has also maybe even given me understanding or interpretation of that which he's having me pray in the spirit. And, and you know, that doesn't happen all the time, but that, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, even responding to that as I, as I prepare a message or as I, as I, I feel led of the spirit, uh, I might send a message to someone, hey, the Lord just put you on my heart as I was praying. Wow, how did you know that I was going through that? So I'm like, I didn't. I didn't. God knew. He knew. And, and maybe that person, it doesn't happen all the time, but it happens. And I, th I just give glory to God for that. Thank you. Sometimes we just need that prompting of the Holy Spirit, but also a response to it. Because sometimes we just take those good feelings and those warm fuzzies that we get from the Holy Spirit, and we just bury it, if you will. We don't do anything with it. Take it and respond to those promptings that God gives you. And that's why we do it here even on a Sunday morning, an expression of if you feel a prompting, an unction, a word, or a scripture God given you, then just like Trina shared today, that's what you can do. That might be a big move for you, and 
bless you. Come on. Let's do it. I believe God speaks to you as much as he does to me or anyone else. I love Romans 8. Romans 8 is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. And this is one which Paul is writing and says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. He's helping you in your weaknesses. We do not know how we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot express And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according with the will of God. That's what I was just talking about. So as you're praying in the Spirit and and just expressing these words as you feel like God has given you them, that you're praying the will of God, that he is interceding through you. He's always praying his perfect will. Thirdly is that tongues is a sign for unbelievers. This is interesting. In verse Uh, 22, Paul defines tongues as this sign for unbelievers, but how? And this can be difficult to understand as Paul describes in verses uh, 23 through 25 that if unbelievers come into a meeting and hear these expressions of tongues, will think that people are out of their minds. Probably that's natural. Yes, they're a bunch of drunks just like they did on the day of Pentecost. It's hard enough for believers to believe, yet alone unbelievers However, while unbelievers may hear tongues and think people are out of their minds, when they hear this interpretation, this prophetic word or word of knowledge come forth, it shows that the presence of God is real. Wow. The Spirit leads the unbeliever to conviction. God, you are real. This happens. When words come forth from God, he reveals things that only the person would know. He reads your mail, and you're going, no stinking way. It's God. And often people will put immediate faith into them when they they hear something that only God would know, or a healing, or a sign, or a wonder. This happens today. Believe it. It does. You know, it wasn't until even a dozen years ago or so that... I was eager to find more. I've always believed in it. And yet I've, I wanted to experience more of God and him moving in my life. I hear stories, and you probably hear stories of people, maybe missionaries come, and they go, yeah, we've seen people raised from the dead. We've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. And you're like, okay, that sounds really cool. I, want, I like that. I love that. I believe that's real. But I just... Maybe there was part of me that was just going, I want to see it. I want to see this because you don't see it always in our Western culture. And so I, I, I went on a, a trip. I went on this trip with a, with a healing ministry team that just God uses this team and, and these people. And, and I went through a training course and, and went there. And of course I believe in it again. But it was during this time that God, they, that they were encouraging the team to just speak forth what you feel the unction of the Holy Spirit saying to you in a word of knowledge sense. That if you feel like a prompting of the Holy Spirit, then say it. In healing or it could be anything else. And I just, I began to, st- I felt a little more safe because I wasn't around people I know. <laughs> I was around people I didn't know. I was like, okay, I'm safe here. You know, and I, I began to do this and it was powerful. It was. I will say, and you can take my word for it or not, 
Uh, talk to me later about it. But I did see blind eyes open. I saw deaf ears open. Uh, my friend uh, Raju, that some of us know from India, was on the same team. And, and I remember standing with him as he's praying for this, bo- this young boy that was um, uh, born deaf. And his parents came to the service the night before, and they heard about this name of Jesus that they had never heard before because they were Sikhs. And so when, when he began to pray, and they, they came up to him and go, pray for our son in that name, Jesus, so that he may receive his healing. No, no pressure. No pressure whatsoever. You know, and he just like, if calling on praying in the spirit that moment, that's what he was doing. He goes, ah, they're expecting a miracle right now. And I don't necessarily believe it was all because of his praying in the spirit or mine standing there and praying, you know, Lord, whatever you can do, you can do. He prayed and asked God for just this creative miracle to happen, and immediately his ears were open. Oh, and he was probably about seven or eight years old. And in uh, the moment, and his very first word, he, he's like, can you, can you hear? And he was, he was doing this. Of course, he was speaking in uh, Hindi to the, to the young boy. Uh, he understood the words because he, he had learned as a, a deaf boy to understand and speak uh, by lips. And, and, and that's how, that whole thing's weird to me. But anyway, he began, and his very first word was um, Yashu, Yeshua. Uh, and so it was so cool that the very first words that he spoke out, and his parents were like, ah! You know, they were just like screaming, and it was just like, oh, it's in there. And it was just like, oh, wow, this is so cool. I mean, it was just like, wow, God, you are real. If anything opens the eyes of not only the unbeliever, uh, unbelieving Christian, you are real, God. Thank you, Jesus. And when we came home, and I was just praying, going, God, could you do this in Pulsa, Montana? Can you do healings and miracles here among us? We've seen such a bad display over the years of how you move. And in our Western culture, we have, I thank God for doctors. I do. I love doctors, and I love that. But at the same time, doctors and, and all of us, First responders are limited by what we can do. They still like, here, take this prescription or do this thing, and we hope God will take care of you. And that's really, we're limited. But we're all relying on God. And this, young, this lady in the church at the time, she's since gone on to be with Jesus, but she had cancer and was blind in one eye because of this tumor and And we prayed for her, and God set her free from this tumor. Immediately regained her sight back, and she lived another seven years. God gave her another seven years. And I'm like, yay, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you do stuff like this still. Who am I to ever limit what you want to do? Wow. So... Yes, tongues, prophecy, miracles, healings, whatever it may be. It's just like, yes, I want you to open my eyes to more of who you are. Sometimes we just have such a minuscule view of who God is. 
only that which we can explain or understand with our logic. And if it's only God is limited to what I put in the box, in my box, my brain, I have way diminished who God really is. I want God all that you have for me. And you're way bigger than what I think or can tell or imagine. I've seen so many people come to immediate faith in God through signs and wonders. Not that I seek after signs and wonders. I seek after God who is the giver of signs and wonders. I don't think there's really anything else that can compare. You can have debates and theological studies and do Bible studies and you can do witnessing. To, to, you can go all over the place in, in teaching these people for years the word of God and someone who still doesn't come to faith in God. But the moment you pray as that little boy, pray in the name of Jesus and his eyes were opened, do you think they became believers? Immediately. Immediately they did. They're like, our Hindu gods could never do that. And lastly, let's, let's finish this chapter. Chapter 14, verse 26 says, What then, brothers? When you come together, each has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, and each in turn. And let someone interpret, but if there's no one who interprets, let each of them keep silent in the church and speak to themselves and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent. For if you can all prophesy, uh, for you can all prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. That's a great scripture to underline. As in all the churches of the saints, the women should keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but should be in submission. As the law also says, if there's anything they desire to learn, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is shameful for a woman to speak in church. Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are the only the ones it has reached? If anyone thinks he is a prophet or a spirit or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done and decently and in order. Lastly is that Tongues should be done orderly, but not forbidden. Concluding this chapter of Paul's letter, he says tongues must come in an orderly way to bring edification, to build up the church. Tongues with interpretation and words of prophecy in the gathering should be with two or three at the most. Not just going on and on and on. But Paul also mentioned about women in ministry, which I won't go into great detail today. I did talk about that from chapter 11. Uh, I spoke about that. You can refer to that sermon on women in ministry. Paul wanted to say that their expression of the gifts needed guidance. Um, what we misunderstand in the context of that setting was women were not educated. They were not allowed to be educated in those days either. 
Corinth needed help in training and the use and the function of the gifts of prophecy, but also some of the women that were not respectful of their own husbands. Paul made it clear that we should not forbid the speaking of tongues. He's not saying that women should absolutely never have a say whatsoever. But tongues especially should not be forbidden. Corinth needed help in training the use and the function of the gifts of the Spirit and prophecy. But Paul was not shutting them down completely. He was not shutting down women either. Rather, some of these... uh, Rather, they were abusing the gifts of the Spirit and some of the uh, disorderly women uh, were not being respectful, especially of their husbands. And so he says, go and talk to your husbands and be respectful of them. Um, Paul's purpose was to encourage unity, to respect both men and women, not to shoot them down or completely stop them. Just as we put into, uh, into place In our services, as I did today, a point person during our times of worship together. It is someone that we can go to to share or to speak a word or prompting that the Holy Spirit would give you to see if it's a word for the congregation. And so I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you uh, not only to, to respond to the Holy Spirit, but also you may be the point person someday. You know, to, to do that, to pray with someone and say, yes, I think that would be totally appropriate for our gathering this morning, where you can all hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. I love it. I love it. You know, and I, our friends, Corbin, Jan Morgan, who we supported as a church for years ago, for a number of years, they moved to Auburn, uh, Alabama. He called me this week just to say hi, and, and we talked on the phone. He goes, Greg, I just want to say... And he goes to, they go to some big church down there now, and, and they don't have a, a four-square church necessarily to go to, but he says, I just want to say how much we miss our Polson four-square family. I want to I say that what even that you allow during our gatherings of sharing a word is so rare, so rare. And, and I'm saying the larger a church gets, I understand that just not able to do stuff. And I'm like, I don't ever want to grow so big that I miss an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to move. And that's where I'm like, well, thank you, Corb. I think that is important for us. I think it's important that we always allow room for the Holy Spirit to move. You know, during the service or after the whatever you may, may say. So I just love the get expression of the gifts that God gives to you. The, the spiritual gifts, the talents that he's given you. And some of you just don't know what those are. And, you know, there's ways that you can discover your spiritual gifts that I can, I can talk to you more about later. But I just ask that you would be bold enough to ask for more, and he'll give you more. Eagerly desire the greater gifts. And I always say that if you want more, our Father God, who loves to give gifts to his children, will give you more. He does. If you've never asked for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the main thing is that, first of all, you need to be born again. You need to have a, a confession of your faith that say, I want to commit my life to you as Savior and Lord. Yes, that's important. And secondly, that you say yes to Jesus, invite him in your life, and then if you desire that closer, intimate relationship with God and you want more, then ask him for the power. The Holy Spirit is to empower you to be a greater witness of his great commission. 
and his great commandment to love. The great commandment needs to come before the great commission to love God and to love people before you're ever sent out into the world and preaching the gospel because I've seen it done not in love. Same thing with the tongues. But then ask him just to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is free that is received the moment we ask for in faith, believing that you have received that he will fully come upon you. If you want it, I, I can just invite you to pray with me. In closing today, maybe some of you have already had this and, and so be it. I always ask for not only the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I just ask, Lord, fill me again. Fill me again with your spirit. Empower me to be a witness. And that really should every day, every day, that he fills you with the spirit. Let's just close in prayer. If you want to pray along with me, you may do so. Or in your heart, you can do this. That Just close your eyes and pray this with me. Jesus, I ask you to baptize me with your Holy Spirit. I receive the fullness of your Holy Spirit upon me now. Lord, fill me with your power. And fill me with, fill my mouth and my heart in praise to you, Lord. Because that's what it's about. Just a greater even depth of worship with you, Lord. Thank you for giving me your Holy Spirit. Thank you for baptizing me. And also, then giving me the ability to step out in faith and boldness now. And Lord, I open my mouth in praises to you and begin to fill my word, mouth with new languages I have not known in my logic or my intellect. I now respond to you in speaking words I've never spoke out of before. I have received. Help me now, Lord, to release this new heavenly language in Jesus' name. Amen. And just may I encourage you in that. To begin, as my very first experience in this, I was waiting for something else to start doing it for me, the Holy Spirit. And, and I was simply encouraged, no, it doesn't quite work that way. Just begin in prayer, in private, or even come up. Because sometimes it's through just being prayed for, laying on of hands, and just say. Let me, let me help encourage you just to begin to speak out in faith what you believe the Holy Spirit is prompting you to do. And then just begin to pray in that way, in that new way that God would give you. So you're welcome to come forward. I will gladly pray for you. Thank you, Jesus, for baptizing us with your Holy Spirit. Just as John the Baptist said, he comes to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, with your presence, your power, not anything to make us look good or anything like that. It's all to honor you and to glorify you that people may see your wonders and know that you are real, Lord. You are real. Now, but also to empower us with a greater level of faith and boldness to proclaim who you are your word, and also do what you did. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I, I hope in my message today made sense to you. I hope 
it also won't make sense to you. <laughs> Part of it won't make sense to you. But if you want more, you can have more. Let us stand and let's close and, and just worship this morning and then you can join us together for fellowship.
Hey, thanks for joining us today. My name is Billy and I'm the online media director here at Polson Foursquare. I hope that the message was encouraging to you. And if it was, consider subscribing or following us or even sharing it with a friend. If you're looking for more information, you can find that at polsonfoursquare.org or check out our Facebook. With that, I hope that you have a blessed week and we'll catch you next time.